Welcome to Life Skills 101, Skills for a Digital Age, sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network and True North Homeschool Academy. True North offers live online classes, clubs, ebooks, and more. From special needs to parent classes, True North builds a community through digital format in an age of loneliness and desolation. Our host, Lisa Nearing, is a homeschooler with five kids who was homeschooled with her husband, Dr. David Nearing, for 27 years. They are committed to equipping fellow homeschoolers and Christians with the tools they need to navigate a complex world in need of a savior. Now, without further ado, Lisa Neering. Hey everybody, it is Lisa with True North Homeschool Academy, and we are here for another episode of Life Skills 101, Life Skills for a Digital Age. And today we are going to be talking about know what you're leaving. I'm here with Angie Farrell, who directs the mom's membership at True North School Academy. Our membership is called the Navigators. Um, she's really committed to resourcing homeschool moms well, and she does that through a weekly book study, a monthly parent equipping, and an online library resources, which are fantastic. And that includes podcasts, blog posts, videos that she's done herself. Um, she's you're, you're just terrific with tech, Angie. Let me just say it. <laughs> I love the Thanks. resources you're creating. They're so good. So welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. Thank you. We're going to be talking about something kind of interesting today. Know what you're leaving. <laughs> How'd you come up with that title? <laughs> well, at first I was wanting to just give the moms an, a history of education in America, but how boring is that, right? I, when I when I looked at my motivation for wanting to show them about the history of education and the changes that have taken place, I realized that was the message. The ultimate message was you need to know what you're leaving. That's what I was really trying to get across. And so I just decided to make that the title of the. So it really is a, a history of education in America and the changes that have taken place. But it's mainly because I want the moms to understand that that they're core values are under attack. Really? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you're singing my song because I actually wrote a master's thesis um, on why parents homeschool. And my lit review was on the history of education in America. So uh, <laughs> you're singing my song because people are always <laughs> like the educational system is broken. And I'm like, I'll contraire. I think it's doing what it was created to do. Yes. Would you agree with me on that? Yes. And I have to say, I fell into that trap too of thinking, oh, the system's just starting to unravel just due to the fact that it's a government thing and it's bureaucracy and all. But as I began to dig in and really do the research and, mm -hmm. and study the people who were policymakers, and I'm not mm -hmm. talking about 20 years ago, I'm talking right. about 40, 50, 60, 100 years ago, yeah. who were making the decisions and what their mindset was, what their ideology is, what their goals were. I realized that the system has been designed to be exactly what it is right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So way back when um, social reformers, Dewey and Mann, they were kind of some of the architects of the current modern educational system in America. And they, they really had, they were social reformers. Before that time, the educational system was in the hands of the local community and the church. And it was really about education, but it's different now. It's uh, what, like, share your insight on all of that. Well, one of the main things that happened with John Dewey was he took the moral framework of it that was part of education out and relegated it to a separate subject. 
So whereas prior to that, the idea of moral, a moral framework was built into every aspect of the education. It was the foundation upon which every subject rested. He said, no, we're going to relegate anything that mentions spirituality or God or faith or morals to a subject separated out from the school day. Mm. And so, and if you look at that and you think about even in the Christian schools now, that's the model they follow. I take a course in religion in sixth period, but I have English here and math here. And so he and his group successfully relegated subjects into, in, into sort of a, uh, separated, I I don't even know what the word I want to use here is silos, right? Right. Each, Each area is unrelated to the next. Whereas Prior to that, in a liberal arts education, everything was woven together. It was very, it's actually very difficult sometimes to explain classical education to other people because it's so built into our mind, this idea of separate subjects, that it's difficult to define the idea that, no, these were all sort of woven into one framework. And it's hard to find the subjects in a liberal art education because of the way they were all Mm -hmm. incorporated. So John Dewey and his... um, peers really wanted to remove any concept of God or faith, spiritual understanding out of the school system and relegate the students to a sort of industrialized product. Yeah. And it's very depressing when you look back at that, because that's what was going on in our, in our nation at that time, we were becoming a very industrial nation and they just wanted to produce workers. Mm -hmm. And his model was called pragmatism. And it was the idea that we're going to remove anything out of school that doesn't appear practical. And I've got to share this with you. This is very interesting. So I just finished my master's degree in education. And one of the courses that I took, and we took a lot of courses on educational pedagogy, but this one course, John Dewey's book was the was the text. And my professor is very progressive. And and one time in our class, I said, I'm really flummoxed by the idea that we're using John Dewey as our text because he's one of the worst things that ever happened to the education system. And, and she's like, well, why would you say that? And I said, well, for the past two years in this program, we have talked incessantly about the fact that children are coming out of the school system without critical thinking skills, Mm -hmm. without logic skills, uh, basic reasoning, soft skills. And we've lamented, what are we going to do about these things? And how are we going to get these kids equipped? Because the workforce is reporting that they don't know how to do basic things when they come into their jobs. The colleges are saying they don't know how to think critically and logically. And yet you're holding up this person whose ideological framework was to remove all those things from the education system. You're not, you're not making this connection. And anyway, I mean, I'm not sure that it was actually a very well-received comment, even though I was really challenging them to think about you're promoting an ideology. That's exactly the opposite Mm -hmm. of what the result you're asking for. Yeah. Um, My classmates were really intrigued by that though. And it Mm. started a lot of really wonderful conversation about what our goals are in education. Yeah. Well, seed planting, that, that is so great. You mentioned earlier, you know, you were trying to talk to people about what a classical education is. And I think uh, for our listeners who aren't aware of it, before the industrialized public school government funded education system in the country, almost all education was either hands-on practical or from a classical pedagogy. And one of the things I love about classical education is God is at the center where in the current public school educational system, the student is at the center. And that honestly feeds this idea that they are all that. And as Christians, 
let's take some pressure off of our kids. They're not all that. They're a human created in the image of a living, holy God. And God should be at the center of all that we do, including education. So I love just even that simple change makes all the difference in how we think about what we teach, how we teach, where we teach, when we teach, why we teach, what we're leaving and not teaching. (laughs) It just changes everything. (laughs) It does. Yeah. And I don't think that a Christian uh, model is a threat to people who aren't believers. I think Mm -hmm. that a lot of people, my experience has been a lot of people who aren't believers send their children to Catholic and Christian schools because they see that there's a moral framework within the education system that's useful, even if they don't believe that that moral framework was authored by a living God, they still recognize the importance of that being woven into every aspect of a child's education. So while I would like everyone to be believers and place their faith in Jesus Christ, I also acknowledge, I think an an honest person would acknowledge that that moral framework benefits everyone. Mm -hmm. It's a consensus that helps strengthen our society. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, one of the reasons I love um, reading Hillier's history of the world is because he is a non-Christian writing to a Christian culture. And it is a very fascinating look at his total acceptance of the fact that the wider, broader culture is Christian, but that's not really his understanding. And yet there's no dissonance there. He's completely fine with it. He appreciates the moral fabric of which he can, he can pursue intellect and pursue education. And it's a very fascinating juxtaposition to read his book. So if you haven't read it, it's the world of the history, right? Or is yeah, that history, I have it on my shelf because it was one of the few books that I did a uh, child's history of the world. Right. Right. And then he also has a child's uh, geography of the world. Yeah. I actually was able to buy original copies of both. I have, I have a first edition of the geography. We are so cool. We are just so cool. <laughs> we're, 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 we're book nerds, right? We are book nerds. Okay. So. You know, Francis Schaeffer called that Christian consensus. Mm. Uh, and he, and he talked about societies. He, I love Francis Schaeffer because I he studies too. cultural trends and, and he was able to show the societies that had, if they had a Christian consensus, how different they were and how strong they were and how the people within those societies were, uh, liberal thinkers. And the mm-hmm. idea of liberal is a funny thing because we use it so differently now, but, you know, liber, of course, we're Latin nerds too. We know that that means to be free. And so the idea that we are creating free thinkers who can problem solve. And so a liberal arts um, tradition, it creates people who are liberated. Mm-hmm. And being liberated doesn't mean we have to have everybody agree with us. That's right. It, it means I recognize my personal sovereignty and I appreciate and respect and recognize yours. And we yes. can have a discourse. We can, we can just completely disagree and still have dinner together. Yep. That is the foundation of American society. In my opinion, our founders mm-hmm. really understood that even though we had a Christian consensus, they built that notion into the constitution that all people no matter what their ideology, were welcome here and, and could have a format to speak. Mm-hmm. I love it. So tell us more about the idea of knowing what you're leaving. How do, how do people who are considering homeschooling now, but maybe have a bad taste in their mouth from virtual education during 2020, um, how do they think about 
They know they maybe don't want to go back to the public school. They can't afford private school. How do they think about this? Why is it important to think about what they're leaving? Is it okay to just get by? Yeah, I do think a lot of people left the education system during the pandemic because they were able to look over their shoulder, the shoulders of their children and see that maybe they weren't getting the education that they had assumed that, mm-hmm. that their children were. And so they began to homeschool, maybe more as a reaction. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you think about you and I, we recently spoke about knowing your why, this idea that we planfully became homeschoolers and decidedly re- went into the process with the plan. So these are now families who said, okay, that's messed up. I need to do something different. And then they jumped in. Mm-hmm. And so now that they've jumped in, is it a temporary thing? Do they need to remain committed? And so that kind of goes back to the idea of knowing your why again, Mm -hmm. is what I'm doing, leaving a system that is broken. And the Mm -hmm. truth is yes. And the system's Mm -hmm. not going to get any less broken while you're gone. So why would you go back to something that wasn't working for you or your child? And I think it's difficult as homeschoolers, we want to try to be very polite and say, well, you know, they, we all value education, right? And it, so it comes in many forms. And so this is just one option. And maybe that's true, but maybe we also should acknowledge that a lot of what we believe is important. And a lot of our values are under attack in that system. And, and maybe we should acknowledge it as such and realize that we just can't go back to that. Mm-hmm. What do you have anything specific in mind when you say our values are under attack? Well, one specific thing is that children aren't allowed to even mention God in school. I mean, that's mm-hmm. sort of an obvious one. But there's a lot of other things. For example, the study of history. Where is that? They're not teaching history anymore. And so it, when we look at history, what can we glean from a, an education that is based on a lot of historical understanding? Well, we learn what we've done wrong and what we've done right. And mm-hmm. when we refute, when we don't learn history, it's very easy to be misled about what's really happening in the world. And, and we can look at what's happening today in light of what's happened in the past. Uh, but if we have no idea what's happened in the past, I think what I've seen, at least lately, is that people become very manipulated uh, because they don't have a basic understanding of how history works. I'm shocked at how many people don't understand about the Holocaust and the World oh War II gosh. and, and yeah. the ideology of the Nazis, all those things, because they didn't study it. So mm-hmm. history is one piece. Another one is logic and reasoning. That was a, a basic part of an education, you know, 100 years ago. And now we don't we don't study those skills. So we're not teaching children to be critical thinkers. So a lot of people think that because I'm a Christian homeschooler that I'm brainwashing my children. Um, And I am teaching them Christian values, but I'm also teaching them how to use logic and reasoning and to, to challenge themselves and think about what they believe and why, and to look at every idea with a critical mind. So I think that logic and reasoning and critical thinking Uh, which has been replaced mainly with like social science or social justice is, is essential to every human being. And so we have workers, employers, uh, colleges saying these kids don't have any critical thinking skills, but yet we're not, we're refusing to teach them to them while they're in K-12. So there's a lot of things that are missing in the school system now beyond faith that, Mm -hmm. that really are essential to building a, uh, a strong human 
Mm -hmm. I would say along with the things that are missing, like history and logic and the mention of God, they are being replaced with things that are Yes. It's social reformation. Let's be honest. Um, Social emotional learning. Oh, don't get me started. Yeah. So, and and you're coming from a mental health point of view and (laughs) that's, that's where we live in my house, right? (laughs) So we have some great discussions and I think um, we can both agree that, that when you really help a child just focus on their emotions, it's antithetical to logical thinking. I mean, because they're, they believe that, and, and I'm not saying disregard emotion. No, now, our emotions are God given and we should acknowledge them and we should be informed by them, but we should maybe not be directed to action by them. And yes. when we are things like maybe riots and fires occur, I don't know. That's maybe what I've, I've seen a little bit. <laughs> Would you agree with that? Or <laughs> part of my capstone for my master's degree was on rational thinking and teaching people to understand that our brains are composed of both the rational and an irrational mind and the emotions reside in the irrational space. Mm-hmm. And emotions are important. They're reactive. They're there for a reason. They're what make us human and unique. Um, but we don't allow the emotions to rule us. There's a yeah. difference between knowing they're there. It's what keeps us human and, and allowing them to be what drives our decision-making. We have to take charge of ourselves in our rational mind. And that is very counter to what's being taught in schools now. And as a mental health professional, you can imagine my distress when I see these kids being taught to allow every feeling that pops into their head to be the basis of their of very important life uh, decision-making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Social emotional learning is something that really started when I was young. So that's been a while. <laughs> yeah. And it's just gotten more and more a part of the, the kind of the core ideology of the schools. And the big thing that's came, come out of social emotional learning that's worried me is also this idea that people are, are a product mm. of, of what's happening around them instead of what creates Right. So this idea that the individual is a product of the of the group dynamic versus the individual is what builds the group dynamic. So does right. the culture create the individual or does the individual create the culture? And so this is our big dispute right now, I think, between when you talk about people who are sort of on the left and on the right. I see that as being a driver. I see mm. the people in the schools are saying if something's wrong with your life individually, it's because the group over here didn't do something right. right. And I was raised and I raised my children to say that each individual has an impact and you as an individual have to be your best self. And then when you go into the world, you become a part of, you will build the community right. that looks the way it should. Mm-hmm. You're not a victim of what's happening mm-hmm. around you. You're the creator of that. So right. this idea of personal responsibility is 100% lost in a social emotional learning environment. You're, you're always me. a product or a victim. And that's, that's concerning to me because in a society, we need strong people who understand they have to take responsibility for both good and bad things they do. Right. That, that to me might be the most, the most um, egregious issue that I have right now with the government run and funded public school system, whether that is, whether that is the public school down the road or your private Christian school who's taking government funding, because if you have kids who are raised to think that if they were, if they were, they had a comment that they didn't like, or they were yelled at, or they felt a certain way in response to somebody that now they are owed something, we've lost everything. And so to me, Christian education is really about 
You are created in the image of God. You are a sovereign person who has responsibility for your thoughts, your actions, your behavior, um, how you interact with people, apologizing, um, repenting, all those things. If you don't ever feel like you have done something to harm someone else, you never have to repent. We've lost everything at that point because then there's no no need for salvation or a savior. And we haven't just lost our Christian culture and heritage and country, but we've lost our kids, our families, we've lost it all. So to, it, I mean, there's so much to, I, I, this is where I read all the time about education and what's going on. But to me, this is the core of it right here. I agree. And in that loss of the idea of what our nature is as human beings will change everything. And so if we believe that human nature is a product of history and social institutions, we never have to take any responsibility for it. Mm -hmm. Instead of realizing that human nature is the cause of of injustices in the world and then recognizing our own malevolence. Yeah. What an idea. The idea that I am a sinner. I'm, yeah. I'm really maybe not that good of a person and I'm going to have to really work hard to be better in every aspect. Mm-hmm. And, and I have to own that, yeah. that I'm, that I'm wrong, that I'm broken, that I'm flawed. And then I have to do things to make the world better in whatever way I can versus just saying, Oh, look, everything that's wrong in my life is because this institution is mm-hmm. keeping me from being my best. I think there's a lot of idealism in that idea that that comes largely from, from liberal thinking, but, you know, an ideal is not really, it's not realistic. I mean, we all have ideals of what it would be like if we were all perfect, but we're not. So they, they lose the reality of acknowledging that human beings are just inherently broken. They actually, I think are teaching kids that somehow kids can perfect themselves. Mm -hmm. If only the institutions would become, um, I don't even know how, how they think they're going to reform the institution, but as long as soon as the institutions look the way they want, it will produce perfected individuals. Mm. So this idea of the noble beast, I think Mm. Mm -hmm. um, Francis Schaeffer talked about it's, it's dangerous ground to, to, to go into. So they, so these groups are looking to dismantle these institutions that we know um, stabilize us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a shame because they're going to replace them with authoritarianism and you can't force people to be good. No, that I think history is born that out over and over. Well, again, so if you don't study history, how are you going to know that this idea yeah. that human suffering is a part of the, the course of man because of the fact that they aren't good and how have we overcome that in the past? We can look at that and see those examples, but if we don't study history, then we just we're doomed to repeat, right? Right, right. So I think um, there's more to be said about the history of education in America, but I would really, I'll put some resources um, in the show notes about how to look into it a little bit more. It's important to realize what the school, that what the government public school system was set up to do. It was really created to provide worker bees for rich industrialist millionaires of the last century. Those people have turned into billionaires of this century. Maybe next century, they'll be trillionaires. That's, that would be you know, the logical progression there. But it, the, the goal of the public school system hasn't changed that much. So if, you're, if, if you really are feeling compelled to do something different than that, a, a good way to start would be just really look at the educational system that you're in what it's created to do, what it actually does well and not do, because this is a broad sweeping overview. And of course, some schools are knocking it out of the park and some schools are just in the quagmire. And there's teachers that are 
godly people in both places. So I don't want to disparage the individuals really working in the systems, but the system itself has some uh, some flawed machinery. <laughs> so, so true. Yeah. yeah. If you want to teach your children how to think and not what to think, then you need to step away from the system and and take charge of their education and, and you can do it. Yeah, you can do it. Okay, Angie, thank you so much. This was a really informative um, podcast. I really appreciate your being on this episode. Um, I'll have extensive show notes for you guys as usual. So make sure you check them out and go to the links that we've listed. Thanks, Angie. Thank you. Bye, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode. Hey, everybody. This is Lisa Nearing from True North Homeschool Academy. And I just want to remind you that you can find all of our classes and clubs, testing, advising, mom's membership, and more at truenorthhomeschoolacademy.com. We do offer live online, dynamic, interactive, small group classes. So when your students take classes with us, they're not in a, they're not in a Zoom room full of 100 people. We keep our class sizes small so that the students get to know both the teacher and their fellow students. We um, use a lot of different technology to make the classes dynamic and interactive, including presentations, projects, breakout rooms, virtual whiteboards, and more. Um, We like to say that we use time-tested educational pedagogy coupled with cutting-edge technology to bring the best educational opportunities to your students in, in the privacy of your own home. We do provide syllabus and grading for all classes. Um, Clubs are more relaxed, so we don't provide syllabus or grading for those, but you can certainly use our clubs for the transcripts, and we'd love to help you know how to do that. Stay tuned this year, 2022, for some exciting new um, classes and clubs being offered by True North Homeschool Academy. Um, We're also going to be offering an honor club, dual enrollment, and so much more. We are honored to partner with you as you homeschool your children. Again, check out truenorthhomeschoolacademy.com and thanks for listening to today's podcast.